This is Silicon Valley Tech Behind the Scenes, a podcast hosted by Sean Flynn and Sunil S. Ronka. Here's where we talk to the real heroes to find out how decisions are made and how they're executed to create the thriving businesses of tomorrow. I think it's time now for those countries to, to um, start working together, building relationships, cl- having closer ties. So let's say, for instance, the countries in South America, India, Africa, I think it's a great time now for those countries that were not the world powers in the past or are not the world powers at present to start really working towards building, having stronger ties, sorry, and also building stronger relationships. Because that's where the future is really. If you look at India, Africa, China, those could emerge market. And that was Nigel Selena, who we're proud to introduce to the Silicon Valley tech community. On today's show, we talk about the adoption of new technology. Is there both private and public support for changes? In Nigel's home country of Trinidad and Tobago, where are the future trends in technology? and his involvement with United Nations operations all over the world, and much more. So let's start the episode. Enjoy. Nigel, welcome to the Silicon Valley Tech Podcast with your hosts, Neil S. Ronka and Sean Flynn, myself. Now, we're very excited to have you a guest on our show. We've known you for years now. In fact, you know, we spent time in your home country, Trinidad and Tobago, you and Sunil were just joking about the sport called cricket with many of our audience probably has no idea what that is. You know, for our audience at home, could you give us a little background on who you are, what you've accomplished and things you're, you're working on right now? Yes. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sunil, for having me on the program. Really appreciate, you know, bringing me on this program today. So just to give you a little background, I am an international consultant, philanthropist, public speaker, and many other titles. And my background really is in social work. I started off my career in social work with one of the leading charities in the Caribbean. And then I got recruited to work with one of the larger insurance companies in the Caribbean. And then the largest insurance company in the Caribbean, they recruited me and I became their top producer. I then became a board member and I was then asked to become the chairman and CEO of the global arm of that group. That insurance group belonged to a group of 70 plus companies. And we were operating in 34 countries in every continent except Antarctica. Wow, Nigel. I mean, this journey is pretty exciting. But, you know, with your home country, Trinidad and Tobago, what do you see as some of the future trends in technology? We just came out of an election and both political parties, we have two main political parties in Trinidad, and they make up maybe about close to 50% of the population, voting population, support these, these, um, these two political parties. If you read their plans, which they refer to as their manifestos, actually both um, talked a lot planning in their manifestos and future plans. You saw a lot um, of technology. They were both saying that they were going to take Trinidad and Tobago along the path of technology, along the path of a fully digitized country. Now, when they're saying fully digitized country, and the next step in technology. I mean, what does that mean exactly? Where is it currently and where does it want to go? I would say we are a little behind the curve in terms of if you look at countries like in um, Africa, for instance, like India. Well, not countries. Africa is a continent. India, Africa, you are seeing where the um, fintech and a lot of different parts of technology, they are, they are way more developed than we are. You look at a country in Europe like Estonia, 
which is known as the, 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 I would say, the model or the benchmark for digitization. And we are behind the curve. Uh, however, I think we could leapfrog in many ways because of the, the fact that we are small state. You know, with small states, it's not as difficult. Once you have the will and having that will and then moving forward with plans and programs, I think you could really leapfrog the rest of the world. So I think we are behind. However, it would not take us long if we have the government, private sector, civil society, all working together to move towards, you know, technology and using technology for not only for the government, but across the board with regards to the country. This is perfect segue, Nigel, where we are talking about the future trends of technology. You've been a leader in the space and the area, which is by the World Economical Forum is going to be the most upcoming part of the world, which is Africa, Trinidad, Tobacco, and a lot of larger companies have done a lot of investment into that part of the world. With the adoption of the new technology, is there both private and public sector support for the changes? And what do you see the future with the new leadership coming in? I would say both private and public. And, you know, like, for instance, one of our largest chambers, the Manufacturers Association, they are now adopting Industry 4.2. You know, they're moving towards that. Private sector, there has been a drive towards technology. I mentioned Industry 4.2, robotics, you know, RPAs, a lot of different new technologies. Some of those technologies may not be new for the developed world. But for us as the developing world, certainly that the RPAs, etc., they are all new technologies. So we are adopting those technologies. We are the, a lot of the country, the companies, sorry, adopting them. And in terms of the governments, if you look, so I'll go beyond Trinidad for just a little bit. In terms of countries in the Eastern Caribbean, they are now moving towards full digitalization. So they're working with the World Bank and other multilateral organizations to take them to that place of full digitalization. I just want to pipe in real quick. I'm not sure if our audience knows this, but right now you are working with Sunil here and bringing in robotic process automation technology to parts of the Caribbean. Can you share a little bit about the progress and how's that going? So I think there are two areas really. One would be in the private sector and the public sector. It's always efficient. So I'm not saying that the public sector is not efficient, but with the private sector, because private sector, they're driven by profits, it's much easier and more efficient to work with the, pri with the private sector. However, public sector is also moving towards the whole area of technology. So I think what we are planning to do is to really work first with the private sector and then to move on towards working with the public sector. So the plan is twofold, private and public, but first working with the private sector and then moving toward working with the public sector. There are a lot of opportunities at the end of the day, because I was indicating we're a little behind the curve. Yeah. So Nigel, I mean, whatever we have done together, right from the, the way you are holding up the technology summit, the way you are holding up the technology series with the different leaders of the parts, I'm very excited about the work what you are bringing to that part of the world for the community. You mentioned your involvement in Africa. Do you see a lot of opportunity there for the tech companies? And if so, what are the different areas what you envision? Yeah, I would say, you know, in terms of the, the um, RPA, certainly there, there's so much to know that you bring to the table 
in terms of the services, in terms of the products. And I think what would um, be useful at this time, in my opinion, is to expose more and more of these corporations, these countries, to some of the technology that, you know, you in Silicon Valley would take for granted. Because, you know, Silicon Valley, you have so much going on in terms of technologies for so many years since the 70s, after the 70s, it really exploded. So we are now behind the curve. And I think more and more we expose companies, we expose the various countries, and especially the small island developing states. I think they would adopt this quickly because we are now, as I referred to, technology is the great equalizer, in my opinion, across the world. Because we see what happened in Africa with the uh, mobile technology. So you talked about technology, you talked about the changing culture, you talked about the behind the curve, so many different things. Knowing Trinidad Tobacco and Sean, you talked about cricket. That's an integral part of it. So at one point in time, for our listeners, West Indies, which is Trinidad Tobacco and a few more islands are part of it, it was one of the lethal team in the world cricket. And they won many World Series together. And in 1983, there was a huge cultural shift where underdog India won the 1983 World Cup. But if you look at the culture and history... I really never recovered from that. Yeah, Yeah, but if you look at the history of Trinidad Tobacco, there are so many cultures. And Sean, you talked about roti when you went there. So that's an integral part of Indian culture. And as I'm talking to more and more people, there are a lot of Hinduism. There's a lot of religion. There's a lot of Indian influence. You have grown up with so many different cultures and you have experience working with so many cultures, right from Africa, UK, you headed company with billions of dollars in revenue. How does the internal decision process differ from one area or one culture to another one? Very interesting question, Sunil. We just had an election and what you see is some of the old ingrained parts of the culture that divides us you would see it um, rearing its head around like an election period. However, by and large, in Trinidad and Tobago, we live peacefully. You have many different cultures, people coming from different countries and different cultures. But certainly in terms of, um, in terms of the, us living together as, a, um, as one people, that is one of the gifts that we have in Trinidad and Tobago, although we have many different cultures. So, if, for instance, you would be familiar with this, Sunil, because um, of where you're from. In terms of Diwali, it's a, bi- it's a celebration that the Hindu community, they would celebrate in Trinidad. However, all races, all religions take part in that festival. And it's similar to when it takes place, which is the Muslim holiday, then for Christmas, all religions, all cultures, we all celebrate and we come together. So by and large, we have learned not only to coexist, but we have also learned to live in unity. And I, our watchword in Trinidad, actually, or watchword, sorry, they are discipline, production, and tolerance. We have learned to live with each other in harmony and unity, and we continue to grow and develop as one people. Although we have our differences and we come from different backgrounds, different cultures. And that is not only for Trinidad. If you look at throughout the Caribbean and the small island developing states, it's something that I think throughout the Caribbean we, we, um, we are proud of. Speaking of harmony and unity and everyone getting along, I mean, right now there's all these trade agreements, there's disruption in the supply chain, the world economy is being shaken up a little bit. With all this happening right now, do you see any 
positive outcomes, potential positive outcomes in the future? Well, you know, a lot of people have been talking, uh, so I will kind of go off track a bit, but I'll come back. We're talking about COVID-19 and how that took the world, uh, how we are now, you know, in, the, in terms of the, um, that entire pandemic, the pandemic, sorry, been experiencing such disruption. However, I think there's so many opportunities in that. And similar to what you're talking about with regards to trade. Now, in trade, we would normally, our trade agreements would be with the North. And I've been an advocate of South trade. So in other words, all the countries that are in the South, I think it's time now for those countries to, to um, start working together, building relationships, cl having closer ties. So let's say, for instance, the countries in South America, India, Africa, I think it's a great time now for those countries that were not the world powers in the past or are not the world powers at present to start really working towards building, having stronger ties, sorry, and also building stronger relationships. Because that's where the future is really. If you look at India, Africa, China, those could emerging markets. I think it's important for the, those emerging markets to build strong relationships and ties. Speaking of Africa, I mean, most of our audience, I'm guessing, is not too familiar with what's happening there right now. What countries or areas of tech are we really seeing explosive growth? So I, I'm not sure if you saw this earlier in the years, but Jack Dorsey had made a decision to go to Nigeria for six months. And the reason he made that decision, well, the board had other ideas. The reason he made that decision, and so many of the other tech companies are investing in Africa, it's simply because there are opportunities there. I could never forget in 2000, the Economist, the magazine, did a cover story, and they referred to Africa as the failed continent. Ten years after, they changed that to Africa rising. And the reason for that is more and more countries in Africa, the middle class, they're growing. And because of that middle class growing, and you would find that they have much, a lot more disposable income, not only do we have the middle class growing, but we also have population growth. And because of that, you're seeing more and more the demographics, there's a shift. So those countries are coming into wealth. And because of that, there are opportunities there. Hence the reason why so many countries are invested in Africa. As a matter of fact, China made a decision years ago to invest over $500 billion in Africa in new investments. So that $500 billion, how is that being distributed? How much of that has already been allocated? If you have any numbers or information, that would be... I don't have to read the numbers off the top of my head, but I'll give you some examples. You had a lot of investments in infrastructure. You also had investments in energy, in mining, etc. And Dangote, who is the, is the um, richest man in Africa, he is, um, he's just... He's right now commissioning a $15 billion petrochemical complex. And let me just repeat that, a $15 billion petrochemical complex. So Nigel, if right now we got to wrap up, anyone wants to find out more information about you, what you're working on, and in fact, do you want to talk a little bit about an event coming up that you're organizing and the people that are on the panel with you? And uh, yeah, just more information on how they can find out about it. So in terms of that event, it's um, James Laurie. James was the first black consultant at the, the number one consulting firm in the world, which is McKinsey. He was recruited in 1968. And James became an advocate for McKinsey to employ more black 
and minorities. And by the year 1999, they had over 100 black consultants in McKinsey. James then went on to become senior advisor at the Boston Consulting Group. And he also has his own company, consulting company. He's an author. He's a philanthropist, an entrepreneur. You know, I could give you the list of descriptions for, for James. So he just wrote a new book, um, Change Agent, and he's doing the Caribbean and African launch of that book. So James will be in um, two interactive panels, one with business leaders. So we have like the person who owns the large minority retail company in the world. We have Jervis Warner, who is the, chairman, the president and CEO of the large group in Trinidad. We also have Camille Wardrop-Allen, who is a, a NASA rocket scientist. Dave, Sir David Ajay, who was named in Time 100 Most Influential Persons in 2017. Barrington Irvin, who was the youngest and first black person to fly the world solo. I can't remember the speakers, but we have quite a lineup. And that takes place on Thursday. So, Nigel, with all this happening and everything that you're working on, for people to stay up to date, what is the best way for them to find out what you're working on and get in contact with you? Well, there are two ways. They certainly could go on um, our website, the Global Business Leadership website. Contact me via my email address, nigelsalina at gmail.com. And it's not Salina, not an S at the end. So it's very simple, nigelsalina at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Nigel, for your time today. And it's been a great pleasure. And we are looking forward for working with you more. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Silicon Valley Tech Behind the Scenes. To find out more, contact the team, or to be a guest on the show, visit our website at siliconvalleytechpodcasts.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and remember to support the show by leaving a review to encourage us to keep creating great content like this.